Hello everybody and welcome to Fastscape Rewatch episode number 22. As always, I'm Kamal Hatson. Joining me is Red Nightmare. We're at the end of season one. Yeah, it's the season finale. The oh. big one. Oh, and this oh. is this is one heck of a finale. <laughs> Holy crap. Oh, yeah. I'll get into it why this was really good. Yeah, we... Like straight up, we both really enjoyed this uh, episode. Five out of five. No, yeah, no we'll just, I'm just, we'll I'm just, just gonna get that put out of the way. Front. Like, get that out of the way. <laughs> seriously, I, I, if I could give a six out of five, I might. I actually, I actually do had that. the same thought. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get into the episode. Yeah. So, uh, just to recap, we're at the end of season one. This is the uh, last episode, following on from Bone to Be Wild, which yes, which was more standalone, but it still has things carrying over because. Mm -hmm. Moya is still in the asteroid field being pursued by the command carrier with Krace and Scorpius yes. on it. And uh, they're trying to make their escape with the baby Leviathan and Moya. So we'll just dive right in because there's a lot to talk about in this episode. So let's get in there. Expect but, a long one, uh, people. Yeah, this might be a bit of an extra long episode, but that's okay. Season finale, you know. Yeah. So we start out with, um, actually, <laughs> we start out with Rigel making his escape. Yes, because Rigel has grabbed a transport pod and is flying it directly to the command carrier. <laughs> and everyone's trying to stop it. Or... It's like, what the hell are you doing? Rigel, why? why? And, Damn uh... it, Rigel. <laughs> yes. That's five. That's five now. <laughs> yes, we got there. Holy hell. Yeah, but this is one heck of a goddammit Rigel. Because yeah. <laughs> um, he makes his way to the uh, command carrier and he floats in on his chair to see Scorpius and Crace. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, what he does is he makes a deal. <laughs> he simply says, look, you want uh, the, the Leviathan, the baby, the defector Aaron's son, the, uh, especially the human called Crichton. I want my freedom. Let's talk. And that's cut to titles bit there. It's like, it's <laughs> like oh, oh, oh. Rachel, you backstabbing dickhead. He's selling everyone out for his freedom. Yeah. Oh, man. So... Yeah, we're already off to a strong start, I feel. That's a heavy opening. Like, okay, Rigel's finally completely gone off rails. He's just abandoned everyone and prepared to sell him out for his own gain. By the way, when the when he's on the way over there, the uh, peacekeepers detect that he's coming. And Chris wonders why. And Scorpius says, maybe he wants to become part of your collection. And we pan out to uh, the <laughs> to actually see like the Hynerian head on like a plinth. It's all that last said it last week. There, yeah. there was a, and also <laughs> I like that Aaron, uh, as she's trying to talk Rigel into coming back, she's like, "They will have your head for it for this." It's like, no joke, Aaron. <laughs> no, they li they will literally have your head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, listen, if you see a uh, Hynerian's head on the mantelpiece, then there's, it's going to be fired at the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how that works. <laughs> it's going to be fired out of a cannon. <laughs> Uh, also, Chris thinks it's a game to Scorpius, but Scorpius is like, no, no, I care a great deal about one thing, which is the wormhole technology uh, in Crichton's head. And so Rigel makes his offering, and he does also make the offering for the offspring as well. And yeah, and I, what I also like is that uh, in the bit where Chris and uh, Scorpius are talking together, they're like, the only thing that's going out is the Marauder with uh, the girl you adopted in the last episode. <laughs> oh, and right. Scorpius says. By the way, have you seen my security officer <laughs> meant to keep it <laughs> don't, don't worry about <laughs> it. 
He's probably um that he probably lost his spine. That Marauder's not coming back. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Pilot has plotted a course out the asteroid field. I mean, speaking of the previous episodes, they mentioned the charts they got from Bernie to uh, get a course out of there. So they're they've got a course to leave, but uh, Moya will not leave her offspring, and because her offspring can't actually starburst, it's too yep. young, too small. It also can't use its weaponry effectively until it's fully grown. It's, it, it's like a pea shooter right, right now, compared to the carrier. Yeah. As they start formulating a plan, I like that John's like, okay, okay, let's think about it. Is there a possibility that Rigel is just trying to stall for time? And everybody just gives him an incredulous look like, seriously? <laughs> like, okay, fine, you're right. Yeah, no, yeah, no, that uh, <laughs> stupid question. Don't know why oh, I asked. Sorry for asking. <laughs> yeah. But John is telling Aaron and Dago, like, well, okay, well, we can't leave, but I'm not going to be taken alive by the peacekeepers again. I've been in the chair, I'm not going back to the chair. No. No, no, no. I'm not talking about suicide, but I'm talking about going out swinging. Yeah. And Dargo and John are riling each other up a bit over that. It's like, yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> and Aaron's like, oh, great. I'm so great to be in the presence of all this testosterone. Just keep walking. <laughs> well, because what I like about that is that she actually... She doesn't just, um, you know, oh, you guys are being so, like, uh, testosterone-fueled and run up, walk off. What she actually does is she goes away from them because she then starts formulating, no, let's keep things a logical plan, like a battle yeah, plan. something that might actually... It might actually work, something. yeah. <laughs> so she's like, okay, no, you're just testosterone-fueled uh, dudes right now. We need a well-thought-out plan that will actually work. Exactly. <laughs> So John's like, well, what happens if we pretend to dock at the command carrier, but then at the last second we ram it into the bridge? And Aaron says it won't cripple their operations. That won't do much. But what if we stick a load of explosives in it, says Crichton. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> it's like, that might work. Yeah, sure, I, I guess. And so we then come back to, we have Rigel is uh, on the command carrier. He's having a nice meal. Yeah. He's on his third meal, because his third stomach. I like the line he says, like, well, that's the problem. Once the third stomach is full, the first one's empty. So he has to go back round again. Scorpius is kind of having none of it. He's like, okay, I could, you know what? I could easily put you in the chair and take all the information I want. I don't need you to cooperate. No. And Rachel's like, no, 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 that wouldn't work. Trust me. Ask ask him when it's Grace. And Grace is like, yeah, no, we'll kill him instantly. Yeah, with his Hynerian biology, he'd just be dead like that. Yep. So Scorpius agrees to exchange <laughs> his freedom for Crichton. And I do like that Scorpius, uh, that uh, when Christ says he'd be dead instantly, that Scorpius is like, well, no need to go back to do that. <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't need the chair right for here. that, exactly. But yeah, Scorpius is only interested in Crichton, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says everything else is insignificant. But Rigel... He's actually putting Grace down, because Grace is at some mm. point, and then no negotiations, like, and also the Viet, and then basically it's like, barks, uh, talks at a dock, it's like, keep your bark down, it's like... insignificant, we're talking about Crichton, yeah. go play, the grown-ups are talking. <laughs> yeah, very much so. I mean, we saw last episode that he doesn't really have any respect for anything Grace wants to do. Nope. Or Grace at all. But what Rigel wants is... He actually wants more than just his freedom. He wants a ship, a crew, and more. But Scorpius says, okay, now I know you're bullshitting me. You're lying. You're just biding time. And Rigel denies it. Uh, Scorpius tells the guards, to, all right, take him away, lock him up. And then he says... Well, he says Crichton won't be taken alive. Yeah. Now he's telling the truth. truth. And I'm like, 
Is Scorpius a lie detector? Well, we saw in his introduction episode, we saw in Nerve that the reason he's able to tell that John isn't a Sebation is because his he says his energy signature or his heat signature is different. So he probably can detect change in body temperature. Oh. So that might, that be... might clue him into why people are lying, to when people are lying. That could be a thing, yeah. Possibly. Or he's just really clever. <laughs> just figured it out. I, would, I think that it might actually be an and-and. Yeah. So uh, Scorpius then says, well, will you help us capture Crichton? And fade out. <laughs> ah. And we go back to Moya, where Dargo is trying to uh, get Chiana to put some chains on. Yeah. Dargo has <laughs> entered the kinky. Uh... <laughs> yep. <laughs> no. What he's actually trying to tell is Chiana is, okay, if this doesn't work and we get captured, lock yourself in a cell put these cuffs on, and no matter what they say, keep to your story that you we captured you and we forced you to do these things, even though you were at the Gamic base. Yeah, because she does actually bring that up. It's like, I was at the Gamic base, I did all that. It's like, you're the one that they're not hunting actively. Yeah, so you and can... you, you have a chance at freedom. But she's not having any of it. She's not going to put the chains back on. No, but, but I really like this part, because it's Dargo trying to convince her, like, look, you can be a pain in the butt sometimes, but I've Grown to enjoy you, yeah, as as a friend, and I want to help you live in freedom mm. by doing this. I would have thought that Dargo, of all people, would be a little bit more understanding about not wanting to be put back in chains. It also makes it stronger that he is the one put, uh, putting the case forward, mm. because he understands that those chains are, in this case, are a way to freedom. I suppose so. I don't know. It seems a little bit odd that he. That he is that insistent, but then he is trying to protect Chiana. Yeah. So, I guess I guess that makes sense. Um, and meanwhile, with Zan, Zan's doing a bit of uh, the old alchemy, bit of chemistry, yeah, bit of potion brewing. <laughs> She's making some explosives uh, that they only become. It's it's a substance that only becomes explosive when they add something else, which is material basically that they scrape from the floor of Moya. It's like shavings. Yeah. I, Apparently, it, when it, you mix those two, it, it becomes a potent explosive. Yeah, it's it's made up uh, sci-fi words, so <laughs> it's, uh, it, whatever, sure. Works for me. Yeah. And she's having a conversation with John, which I feel is indicative of not only this episode, but the entire series, in that Ooh. they've grown to rely on each other. They've, gr- they've basically become a family, yeah. as they explicitly say. She says, yeah, she's made a family on Moya, but she feels like it's all coming to an end. Yes. But John does reply, like, for what it's worth, she is family. Yeah. And so that's a, that feeling is mutual. Yeah, Jingery Springer kind of family, he explicitly <laughs> says, but... But still. Family. Family nonetheless, yeah. And... Oh, God. Okay, there's basically a bunch of emotional scenes between two characters. Yeah, that's, uh, that's half, this of this, half of this... Uh, this episode, it's oh, uh, Dargo and Chiana, we have um, Zan, well, Zan and Crichton. And now we have Eren and Pilot, and oh, God, this scene. Oh, oh so good. I actually I act, actually, act. actually, got teared up at this scene. I mean, you're worth the only one. Eren is tearing up as well. Well, because Eren is with Pilot and trying to comfort him, because he's, he's sharing Moya's pain and... Stress, mostly. They're, stress as well. He has yeah. his own stress, at, and... He's connected to Moya, who is also stressed, thus also adding her stress to his stress. He's kind of shaky. Yeah, and I love that it's like he's saying, 
officer's son and then he stops and says Aaron yeah. which we never hear from him nope he always refers to people usually by their titles mm-hmm. and for him to like call Aaron by name is just like oh this is a really really close moment like really yeah He's finally, he finally feels close enough to use her first name. Yeah, and he says, uh, you know, you're, you don't have to stay here with us. Your prowler's still on board. You can leave and not be captured. But she tells him he's, that she's not going anywhere. No, a she very emotional. but yeah. she's choosing to stay. And they're both really selling the hell out of this. The acting from Claudia Black is really good. But, okay, for the last time in this series, I'm going to talk <laughs> about how... Freaking insane pilot is uh-huh. as a puppet because you feel that sadness from his puppet face. It's yeah. so, so well done. And that, the fact that it's a puppet means that Claudia Black can actually touch yeah, him and touch his face at some point uh, uh, when talking about freedom and stuff like that. Yeah, but like his different expressions, because we have close ups on his face, you can see him, you can see the sadness in his eyes. And mm-hmm. like, I know academically that it is a puppet being operated by like four or five different people mm. but you forget like when you're watching the the tv show like you know that like i know that in the back of my mind but i it, it just completely gets forgotten about and you believe in this character who is a like gigantic crustacean thing yeah <laughs> but he feels so real in this scene in particular like that's the and the, he's just being really emotional scene with Aaron and it just works so well and mm-hmm. I did I was just like oh, no. excuse me <laughs> <laughs> yeah because they're talking about all the things they've shared like what what he has done for Aaron and what Aaron has done for him There's a, I love the little joke in there where it says we've shared a lot of things and she says yes DNA for one <laughs> <laughs> Pilot also mentions like have you chosen a name for Moya's uh, offspring mm-hmm. he says not yet but uh, I will give him one that it bear proudly and it's her honor and she'll do it in freedom yeah if she has anything to say about it yes so oh god ah, mm, that that's right in the field right in them fieldscape <laughs> yes all right so uh as if that wasn't enough feels for one episode we then uh cut to john who is recording a message or well, he's trying to record a message to his father mm. on his uh, on his cassette tape, yeah, he's struggling to find the words though, because he's he keeps stopping. He's like, ah, this is ah, this is weird. Don't know what to say. Um, and like, might as well leave a message to you just screaming loudly into the <laughs> mic. At this point, that'll yeah. come for them. <laughs> and then Aaron walks in on him and. And she tells him how lucky he is because she didn't know much about her family. I like also that she mentions like, was is your father anything like the person I met? Yeah, the alien. Like, and John's like, well, no, it was an alien masquerading as him. It was like, well, it was made from your memories. What you know is that accurate? Well, it's an idealized version, but yeah, pretty accurate. And um, I like how Erin starts talking about her family, and it's like when. Uh, I was a child, there was a, a, battle, a battle-hardened warrior uh, standing above my uh, crib, scars and everything, and I talked to me, your father? No, to my mother. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, uh, she, she actually points out that, she, I mean, she doesn't know, she knows little about her mother and then even less about her father, mm-hmm. but she was 
deliberately na- and naturally conceived. She wasn't. Yeah. She actually mentioned she wasn't like a genetic birth to fill up the ranks, which is apparently no. something peacekeepers do, or she wasn't a conscripted orphan. No, like, she uh, was actually like love between two uh, peacekeepers. Yeah, which that's, that's what created her life. Hmm. Which yeah, nice little detail about mm-hmm. Aaron. Hmm. So after these emotional scenes, we cut back to the command carrier with Rigel having a bath. Yes. <laughs> And apparently farting out of his navel for some reason. I didn't get that one really either. Like, <laughs> well, he's as like... the scene opens, he's just lying on his back and there's just a, a, a small gush of air coming out. And like, Where did that come ha? from? He, he, was, he was face up. How? Huh? What? <laughs> but he's lying in sort of a bath that looks to be like, I guess, dry ice or something. That's actually, and you were right, that was actually the, it's in Crisis uh, Chambers. That's Aha. the thing that came up uh, that I Scorpius threw him in last episode. You were exactly right. That Called was a bath. It. That wasn't something I remembered, but I was just like, maybe subconsciously, but yes, I knew it. Um, nice. But uh, Chris walks in on Rigel having a bath, mm-hmm. and says, must discuss Rigel's future. Right before Chris comes in, Rigel realizes that there are a bunch of he- Hynerian heads around. Oh, yeah. He looks around. Don't know how he didn't figure that out sooner, but... He probably wasn't paying attention. Paying more attention to his food or something. That sounds like Rigel. <laughs> yeah, there's at least three or four of the heads, different... Yes. And he's like, oh, 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 I, mm, I may have made a mistake. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Chris comes in and says, we have to talk about your future, because Scorpius has actually ordered his execution. He's yeah, like, the opening to this is great. Chris comes in, it's like, we need to talk. And th- at that point, Rachel points out, like, you didn't decide anything around here. It's clear that uh, Scorpius has you by, by your Mevox. <laughs> and then uh, Chris is like, let me make a case of my... Um, uh, my position in the negotiations. And then he just shoves Rachel's head on the water. <laughs> which, interestingly, doesn't really work because he's an amphibious creature. Oh, right. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that's which also not explains effective. why when he, Rachel comes up, he immediately says, you're insane. <laughs> he like, doesn't even need to come up for air because, of course, he's an aquatic, half-aquatic right, creature. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that. You dumbass, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> come on, you should know this. Yeah, you know yeah. enough about his physiology. But yeah, he points out that did you really expect to strike a bargain with Scorpius, who he describes as uh, a Scarron half-breed? Yeah. Yeah. So now we know what the other half of uh, Scorpius is. Apparently there is a second half. He could well, have been Scarron, I would have believed it. Exactly. We, we don't know what the Scarrons look like at this point. So the implication is that he's half Sebastian, half Scarron. Yeah. So there we go. Now we, ha- now we can put another side to his biology. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, yeah, file that one under. Uh, we'll look at that later. Future seasons. <laughs> but uh, Rigel is asking, well, why, did, why are you telling me this? Why are you telling me that I'm going to be executed? He says, well, I'm in a similar uh, situation because I don't have a future beyond being court-martialed, found guilty, and then executed. Yeah. <laughs> so I want the same thing you want, which is to survive. And then we cut to... Oh, God. <laughs> Back to Moya, where uh, the the crew is standing at the entrance of the hangar bay, and they're like, "That must be a trap." They would never never let him free because apparently the transport pod with Rigel on board came back. Yeah, they're like, no, 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 there must be something going on here. That's, there's no way they would have let him free. And they say, "Well, he wasn't followed, but but they go to the hangar bay doors." Yeah, like you said, they're all pointing weapons at it. Clearly. And then the uh, doors open, and in comes Rigel. Says, "Don't shoot! Don't shoot!" And uh, everyone's like, "Get off your chair! 
Face on the floor, now. <laughs> Rigel's like, uh, no, I, otherwise I can't see the look on your face for what's about to happen next. Also, <laughs> please don't shoot for what, what's about to happen next. Yeah, he's like, okay, I, what you're going to see is going to be... You're gonna probably going to want to shoot it, but please don't. <laughs> because who enters next but Kreis? Yes, Kreis just songs in behind Rigel and... I can see why Rachel didn't want to be face down because the face on everybody is amazing. <laughs> just so like, everybody's like, "What?" Well, yeah, like, what? Chris? Because Chris says he's actually asked Rachel for asylum, and Dominar's uh, Rachel Sixteenth has graciously accepted. And I'm like, he doesn't make the decisions around here. Yeah, that's, that's not your At this call. Point, he, he might actually just be paced off the windshield at yeah. one of the windows. At this point, <laughs> things are go as things are going right now. So he has to be put in a cell so he will not be harmed, and uh, then Dargo kicks the shit out of him. Yeah, because Chris is like, as you can see, I am unarmed, and then Dargo gives his weapon to uh, to Zahn and walks up to him, as you can see, I'm also unarmed, and she starts punching him, <laughs> kicking him on the floor, yeah. shoving him away, But and, and interestingly, he says, you knew. Tell them what you knew. And yeah, we find out that Chris knew that Dargo was wrongfully imprisoned, that he did not commit the crime that he was in prison for. Yes. He knew this whole time. And that's worse. That's just, like, that, that just makes things, yeah, that makes things even worse. But he says, well, we could not go back on the conviction because it had been... Only a, only a full court-martial, uh, only a full tribunal could go back on it, and I'm not a full, tri full tribunal. But... Yeah, God, Dargo just... You could have left the on him. keys in the lock. You could have done something. They could have done any you could number have of things. You treated him as good as you could yeah. possibly could. You clearly didn't. No. Oh, Chris. Oh, dear. And then, I love this. Because he says not uh, a lot of things in this world are unfair. And then John says, if the world was fair, you'd be dead. And then we have a... That, the shot I love, because it's John pointing... Uh, it's the the shot of John pointing a pistol at Crace uh, from Crace's perspective, we see mm. it, and then it, the, f the focus shifts from John's face to the barrel of the gun. Nice, a bit of a focus pull there, very nice, yeah. very nice. Beautiful, beautifully done. Also of note is that he says, if you'd be dead, and, I, and he actually tightens his grip around the, mm -hmm. the handle and the trigger, and that's where there's a fade down. Yes. It's like, that's a commercial cut as well. Yes. <laughs> But uh, he doesn't shoot Crace in the head. No. So uh, he actually doesn't shoot Crace at all. They put him in a cell. Yep, they do put him away. They put him in a cell. Um, and so we also now see, we see Rigel is talking to Zan and Chiana to tell them about what he saw on the command carrier. Mm -hmm. And Zan, Zan accuses him of, you're all going there to sell us out. <laughs> He's like, but I didn't. <laughs> no, no, no. What he says is, you bet your blue ass I was. Oh, yes. I was. <laughs> but I didn't. Sorry. And I'm like, at least the asshole's honest. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. <laughs> it's not much of a defense, though. It's like, yes, I did go over to do that. But I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, you know, it's all right, right? Oh, <laughs> But and Basically, uh, he's, he's describing how Crace was basically a walking corpse on his own ship. Yeah, Scorpius is in complete control, and Rigel recognizes Crace's value to them. Mm -hmm. He wasn't taking pity on an orphan. No. It's, it's funny, he actually deliberately points out, says, I don't take pity on orphans. Like, oh, all right, well, okay. We don't take pity on the Hynerians who uh, need to be blasted out of a bloody airlock. Mm, 
Rigel is really testing everyone's patience today, like hugely. So, <laughs> like, uh, like, oh god, why don't we just shoot him? Like, it keeps kick, he, he's a repeat offender at this point. Kick him out the door, yeah. <laughs> you know what? Here, here's the shuttle. Good luck. Go. Yeah. Well, not outright kill you. We're not. We're not monsters. Mm. We're not you. <laughs> After that scene, Dargo and Aaron, are, they're preparing the barrels of explosives, mm -hmm. which they're loading onto a transport pod. Because they figure the plan hasn't changed. Yeah, but then we also have, now it's time for another emotional scene between the yep. two of them. Basically, they say that they've come to rely on each other mm -hmm. as a fellow warrior, as comrades, as friends. It's basically, we talked about that a lot in the last episode, or the last few episodes, uh, where we saw that Dargo was very upset by Eren's uh, impending death and didn't want that mm -hmm. to happen and saw her as a friend. And this is basically a much more direct version of that, just yeah. basically stating those things outright. But doing it but doing it pretty well with, uh, you know, talking as friends. And they, I do, they do mention that they butted heads a lot when they first met, mm -hmm. as we saw. And but they've come to rely upon each other. That's the that's a great thing about all of the character development, all these conversations, these relationships that we've seen changed. That's the thing we have seen them change. We've mm -hmm. this feels all these scenes between two people who are discussing how they how far they've come. They feel earned. Yeah, because we've seen all of that. It's not it's it's not just uh, they've shown not told. You know. Yeah, they've shown us how these people have. As things have gone by. And it does really... I mean, it really underscores the fact like, yeah, this is the end of the season. Because they're all talking about... It you does, know. but I'm, I'm okay with that. No, now, I'll, I'll, get to, I'll get to why in the end. And she says, I'm sorry I never got to meet your son. And I do like that. that uh, and he points out, like, yeah, I miss being part of his life uh, more every day. She's like, well, their blood is in there, so that's worth something. Like, yeah, let's just hope she, he gets his mother's nose. <laughs> Ah, oh, Dargo. I do, I do like that we've seen a bit more of a fun in, a fun side of Dargo coming mm. out. <laughs> so they, so yeah, they laugh about that, and then they, you know, get back to work basically. Yeah. And okay, so oh god, this episode pulls no punches because we go yep. from that to Crace and John, because John is watching over Crace in his cell. Crace is behind uh, the cell doors with the lattice work in front of it so they can see each other and they're both sitting mm -hmm. on the floor and John says like it's hard to get male to male conversation out here in the middle of space uh -huh. I mean his options are Rigel and Dargo and yeah Dargo's his best bet <laughs> I that. and oh god he says yeah, do you have any idea what you put me through actually yeah. no wait there's, there's, there's a lot to this scene because it's, it's a very dense scene I there's a it. lot going on because Crace says that he actually understands now that John did not deliberately kill his brother, that it no. was an accident. Uh, and so John says, you have any idea what you put us through? And you put me through. Put yeah, us through. Put me through, And yeah. he's crying at this point. Yeah. John is literally just there's, sobbing while he's talk well, talking about well, Not quite. Not there's, there's, there are tears coming down his yeah. face. He's still... And his eyes are bloodshot. Yeah. And... Crace mentions that at first he thought it was about his brother. It should, he says, it should have been about my brother. Mm -hmm. But somewhere along the line he lost sight of that and it became about him and his career and his reputation. And, and it's like he, he realizes his descent into madness at yeah, this he, point. Yeah. He's like, yeah, 
if I was going to chase you across the galaxy, it should have been because I thought you killed my brother. It wasn't that. No, I think at, I think he um, back in that old black magic. I think Grace really at that point realized that it was an accident. He, that's not when he accepts it. This no. is when he accepts it. Exactly. This is when he accepts it. Yeah, because he knew it at that point, and like like he says, at, from that point on, it was it turned into something else. Yeah. And has basically now cost him his career and his uh, his life to an extent. Yeah. And he says, you know, was it? I think John actually says, you know, was it worth it? Or do, or was? And that, that's the whole. I mean, that's the whole subtext of the conversation. It's like, was that all worth it for you? Yeah. So it and clearly it, wasn't. No. God. And uh, and John also points out being afraid in there gives you mortality, doesn't it? Behind that cell. Mm. That's what you put us through every day. Every hour, every minute, yeah. while you're riding our backs. Oh, God. It's a heavy scene. Yeah, this is a really heavy scene. And this is two people who've been, I mean, they've, they've been chasing, well, they've been at each other's throats. They've been enemies for the, the entire season. Because yep. it started all the way back in, season, in episode one. And that's the whole, that's what set this whole thing off. And mm -hmm. they're kind of. I want to say they're not re they're not reconciling, of course, but they are. They're at the end of that journey. They've had an, they, the two of them have had an arc together as well, mm -hmm. and it's come ended with Crace realizing that he was he was basically wrong this whole time, and he's wasted away his career for nothing because he had ambitions far beyond his reach at that point. Maybe now this station, but definitely his reach. Well, also that he was blind. He was just he was consumed by revenge. And that's 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 it, it uh, at first, and it led to him trying to build himself up much more than he should have done. He he lost sight of why he was doing it. Mm -hmm. God, it it's just heavy scene after heavy scene. I can't yep. take it. Uh, and again, we uh, the acting from Ben Browder and Lanny Tupu is really solid. It's just like it's not over the top. They're not yelling at each other. They're actually fairly very restrained. Very, and... Well, they're fairly quiet quiet and just sort of normal talking volume but mm. you can feel the emotion in both their voices and yep. you've got the tear running down John's face and Chris actually looks kind of rough because his hair is a bit all over the place and he's he's just a bit despondent and yeah woof, it works, works very it well works wonders alright so after this scene, Chris is talking to the crew they're actually around trying to figure out what to do. They're trying to make a plan. Mm -hmm. And Crace is there sort of providing advice. Yeah, John convinced him to help. Yeah. Basically. He says, Scorpius will attack as soon as they detect the transport pod. Yeah, because he'll see the way, he'll see that it's moving slow, even though well, it doesn't, it doesn't, at that point, isn't a bomb yet until you inject the last component. Yeah. He'll see what, it moving very sluggishly and it moving slow because of the weight. Yeah, that plan's not going to work. No. But Dargo points out, well, there's one thing he values more than anything, which is his gamut base. Mm -hmm. So what they can do is they can ignite the moon's oil surface, they say, which apparently is a thing, and destroy ah, it. Ah, I missed that detail. Yeah, he says the because the, we saw in the episode where we see the gamut base that there's a featureless expanse beneath it. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it turns out what that is is just a sea of oil or, yeah, oil, as Dargo says. 
and so they can ignite it and destroy it as which will serve as a distraction to allow Moya and the baby to escape. Yeah. But even if even if they don't manage to blow up the moon, it should draw the command carrier away from Moya. Yeah, the idea is well they're going to destroy the gamut base. They can't blow up the moon just by igniting the surface. That's silly. But what no. they're trying to do is yeah, draw the draw the peacekeepers away because they'll chase after them to try and because they'll see what they're trying to do and try and stop them. They're assuming that that Scorpius is smart enough to realize what's going to ha- what what they're doing already. Yeah. But, of course, for that plan, somebody needs to fly the pod. Mm-hmm. And, Crace points out, actually, that plan also won't work, because there's one thing that Scorpius values more than anything. Even more than his precious base. And that's Crichton. So, I think we can... St- like, you know where this is going. Yes! Like, it, you as know exactly where soon this is as going. They, I mean, even as soon as they point out somebody's going to have to fly the pod... You're like, I, th- I can see where this is going. Because they need to draw Scorpius away. Because, yeah, there's, we, we know that he's already said previously, like, everything else is irrelevant beyond yeah. Crichton. So, and now they know that as well. So he's going to go after Crichton no matter what. And like we said before, like, Scorpius doesn't have an ego. He is prepared to throw his base away to get Crichton. Yeah, because he knows that it's... It's more important. The research... The other stuff on the base he can replicate, but within what's in Crichton's head he can't. Yeah, and he's not concerned about his personal projects or like, oh no, this is my life, so I need to say... Like, no, the mission is research wormhole technology, I can get that out of Crichton's head. Mm-hmm. Nothing else matters. Exactly. And so Dargo volunteers to uh, pilot the pod. Volunteers? Volunteers. Well, he's like... Aaron, Aaron's like, we were going to draw straws, and he's like, I drew straws. I drew the shortest one. Discussion <laughs> over. Yep. He's like, no, I'm doing it. I'm flying the thing. Um, and they're trying to convince him not to, but no. And we have Ch- a scene with Chiana and John now saying goodbye, mm-hmm. effectively. And because um, she, she knows he, he's going to go too, because he's got to. Yeah, and because he says, like, Scorpius wants me. So if I'm on that pod, there's a bigger chance of him turning, uh, turning around. Yeah. And then Chiana's like, well, what if other people want you as well? Yeah. Oh. And she, she's thanking John for saving her life, basically, because he's the, he was the one who actually brought her aboard. Everyone else was pretty prepared to turn her away, or at least mm-hmm. wasn't prepared to trust her. But he was, and so she's, yeah. She's thanking him the only way... Basically, she's coming on to him, and what I like is that she says, I'm thanking you the only way I know how. <laughs> and <laughs> I like that she's clearly, she's clearly trying to get a little bit more than just a kiss that she ends up giving him, because mm-hmm. uh, she's yeah, coming on to him a bit more heavily, and John is like, uh, but gen- gently like kind of saying, no, but he says, not before the big game. <laughs> yeah, not the night before the big game. <laughs> and they have... A- very brief kiss. Yeah. But he, very... John clearly backs backs away uh, out of that. Mm. And he says, I, li- I love this as well. He's like, you saved my life. You know, how do I repay you? you? And he's like, pass it on. Return the favor to someone else. And I love that, actually, that John's like, you know, go out there and do good and help other people. Mm-hmm. That's how you can repay me. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to repay me. Make Extend a favor to somebody else who needs it at mm. that point. Ah, then you'll have to pay me. There you go. That's uh, that's such a great line from John. It's like, yeah, just pass it on. It just shows mm-hmm. that he's 
underneath everything, underneath the crazy stuff, he's still a good guy. He's a decent guy. Oh, yeah. Back on the command carrier, actually, Scorpius has been waiting to see if Chris will come back because they saw the pod go. It's yeah, because like, oh. basically what Chris said, he told them uh, that he was going to the with Rigel to negotiate so that they could surrender peacefully. Right, and he says, well, he's been gone quite a while now, and uh, actually the Chris's lieutenant, who, I mean, he comes in, who he saw previously, and uh, mm-hmm. it's not mentioned, but for the ease of talking about it, it's Lieutenant Braca, is yeah. his name. And he comes in and he says that, uh, actually, it's been so long now that he's been over there, that Crace has been deemed irrevocably contaminated. I was like, wait, that's an actual thing? Well, I, yeah. I thought that was something Crace made up. No, 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 no. That's a real rule. That's a, that's a, that's a peacekeeper thing. Yeah. So, uh, congratulations, Scorpius. You are now in full control. I yes. mean, like, now. No, he, he has been for the past couple <laughs> episodes, really. <laughs> but he's now officially in full control. Yeah. And I do like that also because he's not coming back. The lieutenant... Right before he leaves, turns around. Sir, permission to talk freely. And I do like Scorpius saying, well, obviously, go ahead. Otherwise, I wouldn't have you around. <laughs> well, I think... Again, speaks to Scorpius's efficiency. Th- it, it's weird because the line, the line that he actually uses, Scorpius says, it's like, of course, if I didn't want, if you weren't able to speak freely, I wouldn't, you wouldn't be here. And that you can take that as, like, I wouldn't have you here, you know... I have you here to be able to speak freely, but if you weren't able to speak freely, you would be working somewhere else. <laughs> you would be. <laughs> you'd you'd be probably off. be grunt. Yeah, exactly. They're not allowed to speak freely. No. <laughs> no, but he, he asked Scorpius, like, if you knew that, if you suspected that Captain Crace wasn't going to be coming back, why do you let him leave? He mm. says, like, we all have our usefulness. <laughs> it's a matter of making use of that. And I can see that your uh, usefulness is on the rise. Mm. I'm like, answer the bloody question, Scorpius, because <laughs> that said nothing. It was a, a bunch of philosophical bullshit. <laughs> yeah, well, it was with Crace out of the picture, though, it looks like... Uh... It's way easier for him to take over. Oh, yeah. But remember, he was never concerned about taking over for its own sake, for power's sake. He, won- he was... Wanted to take over because Chris wasn't doing his job. Yep. And now Chris is not around, so we can finally get shit done. Problem solved. Fine. Nobody, nobody talking back to me anymore. So okay. he says to uh, Brock. Uh, well, Brock asks him, "So, what are your orders?" Now, Scorpius wants to cripple the cripple the Leviathan, mm-hmm. and he's going to send a signal to the offspring to bring it in. If that doesn't work, then destroy it. Everyone except for Crichton is dispensable. Yeah. Everything, including Moya, though they want Moya partially alive because they, if, if they destroy it, he's probably on board. Well, they want he he would prefer to take the offspring alive more so than Moya because that's an important experiment, piece mm-hmm. of protect. Uh, but if that's not possible, then sure, then whatever. Tough luck. Yeah, Crichton is the only thing that matters. Mm-hmm. So speaking of the uh, offspring. We cut, actually cut back there, and Crace and Aaron are both there. And Crace is uh, marveling at uh, the inside of the offspring. Says it's amazing, and we learned that this isn't the first time they've tried to make a hybrid uh, peacekeeper Leviathan warship. Yeah, there's. I was like, there's no way they could have figured the exact genetic sequence out this well. Yeah, exactly. And in he, one go. But he says that all the other attempts failed, and. Uh, 
Aaron points out, it's like, well, because they were all in captivity with control collars on, and Moya was able to give birth uh, naturally, effectively, freely, yeah. and that's what uh, allowed it to uh, succeed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I do like that. Uh, he's, uh, uh, Chris says, like, ah, your, uh, your intelligence uh, would warrant a promotion back at Peacekeeper, uh, if she were still a Peacekeeper. And then she, uh, she dryly answers, yeah, I don't think a recommendation from you is going to carry much weight right now. <laughs> yep. He also points out that the offspring can support a pilot, but why would you have one, says Chris? Yeah. Because it responds to direct voice commands, mm-hmm. and they're basically cutting out the middleman and yep. talking straight to it. Well, they don't want anyone to misinterpret their orders, I guess. No. <laughs> anyone, any, another link in the chain that could potentially rebel against them. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense yeah. when you think about it. But uh, Aaron and Chris, they both agree, for all the differences, that uh, the offspring should be left out of uh, any conflict they get yeah, into. Yeah, because of differing reasons. Chris knows that Scorpius doesn't care at all about this thing. But he does. But Chris sees it as an important an important thing. Yeah. And no matter how they use it, it wouldn't do anything. So he agrees, like, it needs to be, stay out of combat. And Aaron just doesn't want the child hmm. pushed into combat like that. Like she said uh, previously, like, she doesn't want a child put into a conflict not of its making. Exactly. And so now we're back on Moya with John saying for real this time that Rigel can have his stuff if he doesn't yeah. like it. <laughs> <laughs> and Rigel's like, why? And he's like, really? No, why? Um, and says, well, you know, you're a material guy. You should have some material. <laughs> what are you saying? Yeah, Rigel's a little bit more introspective than usual. Yeah, because he's wondering, like, why are you doing this? And John, frankly, answers, because you're a heartless bastard. Yeah. <laughs> Might as well give you some stuff. Um, and and Rigel's like, that's not fair. You were going there to sell us out, Rigel. And then he but says, I didn't. That's not a defense, Rigel. You were going to do that. You had full intention of doing that. And that's and that's what John points out. It's like, yeah, no, the, the only reason you came back is because they weren't buying. Yeah, and Rachel at this point, and, and I gotta wax over. Uh, Go on. Get, yeah, because the way he looks down and his eyebrows tilt, and he's like, "Well, I I I can be persuaded eventually to what do the right thing, yes." And then John points out some beautiful line. I I found this. I feel that doing the good thing starts in the morning, not once you've been caught, Rigel. Yep. Mm-hmm. Not just when it's convenient, all the and time. Then he kiss- and then he kisses him on the forehead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, you're right, though. That line from John is really great. Mm. Just like, no, you, you, you can't just do it whenever it's convenient. No, you need to, do, you need to start with it. Yep. So, uh, and there's a very sweet scene next, because Chiana has cooked everyone's favorite meal now. Yeah. She's basically made, because uh, Zan said they have at least half an hour iron before uh, the bombs are ready completely, then it, something needs to cook, I guess. And she basically made everybody's favorite food. <laughs> and there's, there's a long panning shot across the mess hall table mm-hmm. with a bunch of piles and piles of food on it. And this was when I noticed that a certain music cue had been returning throughout mm-hmm. this episode, whenever there were scenes with uh, characters and closing moments for uh, character relationship arcs. Yeah. And it's, it's very low-key, but it's beautiful. There's a lute in there, mm. there's a flute and a harp, and that's about it. Yeah. It's 
very, very effective and very beautiful. Yeah, and it does. It serves as a clue of like uh, a little bit of a, a cue of like, yeah, this is a this is an emotional scene. This is like a. This it really has that solemn finality before death. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's kind it, of that vibe. It really, really underscores those scenes. Yeah. Ah, and uh, so they they go in there to eat and. Uh, uh, although Crichton isn't actually with them, he's off no. actually recording a final message to his father, mm-hmm. and he says, "You know, he reckons his time has come." But uh, he also there's this the echo of the from all the way back in the first episode where he says, "You told me you once told me that uh, man has to be his own type of hero." And I'll, I mean, I'll never, I'm probably never getting home, so I'm not getting the parade. Don't think I'll have kids, so <laughs> I can't be a hero to them. But you were right. I have found my own way of being yeah. a hero. And you did. And uh, and he reckons his time has come. He's not afraid. And you did good, Dad. And yeah. just, I love that 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 specific callback to that line from episode one, like mm-hmm. all the way back, way, 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 twenty-one episodes ago. Sitting across from him is the DRD from the first episode, who we broke an eye stack from. Oh right, yeah, because it's because we see the tape up. still on it. So yeah. that even. Even visually, there's a very clear callback to that first episode. I just, I love, like we said, we when when uh, continuity starts happening, mm-hmm. it's really great because Farscape does hold on to a lot of things and use them. Uh, when, and in the way that, good. and in the way that isn't like, see, see, we have continuity. You know, he uses it in an effective way in in yeah. small things. Yeah, in small parts and and parts that and that make sense that work mm-hmm. within the episode. It's not just shoehorned in there. It's like, hey, no. what's this thing holding up something from a previous episode? Oh, forget about that. Like yeah. that. That's more. That's the fan servicey way to do it. Yeah. This, this actually is. There's actually a point to to this. Mm-hmm. And so we now cut to uh, Zan blessing John and Dargo, and <laughs> for a brief second, for a brief second, it looks like they're getting married. Because <laughs> they're standing across from each other. They're standing across from each other with Zan behind them, uh, giving them a blessing. I'm like, and you may now kiss the bride. <laughs> <laughs> no, but actually, you can see it in Dargo's the way he stands because he's clearly nervous. And uh, as they are prepared to walk away, he whispers to John, "I hate this. I hate this priest stuff." And then John responds, "Chicks did good." <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> but now the time has come for them to say their goodbyes and get on the uh, transport pod. And uh, Dargo actually gives uh, the hollow image of his wife and son. He takes it out of his uh, chest and gives it to Zan, mm-hmm. so that she can give it back to him if they make it out. You know, if they don't make it out, then and he says, "Make sure my son remembers me." Right. That's what it. Yeah. He's, and his mother, I guess, also. Yeah, it's like find Jothy, give this to him. Uh, if I don't make it, then we have uh, John and Aaron. <laughs> like they both say, like I wasn't gonna say goodbye. It's like, yeah, no, me neither. <laughs> and, and what I like about that is that it explicitly says we're not saying goodbye because they have a backup plan. This isn't a complete suicide mission. Yeah. Because what they're gonna do is they're gonna fly the shuttle. They're gonna use that uh, uh, basically as a flying bomb. But at the last second, they're gonna eject from the ship. And Aaron's gonna go get them with the prowler. Because yeah. she can blend in pretty easily. Yeah, and if they get it right, the peacekeepers won't notice them, and she'll be there in time to pick them up. Yeah, and Dargo can survive a 
a while in vacuum, as we know. They say a quarter of an hour, so 15 yeah. minutes. 15 minutes. Which is a pretty narrow window, but... It yeah. could, actually, it's pretty, uh, considering the speed that this is going to be happening, I think 15 minutes is quite wide. Hmm. So uh, they set off, and uh, also, uh, because they're going to do this, uh, Crichton's got his spacesuit on, his uh, plain black spacesuit. And so John and Dargo set off in the transport pod, and we cut back to the command carrier, and Scorpius is informed. They said, we've detected the transport pod. It's moving toward the base. Scorpius says, we're not, we're not changing course until we know more information. Yeah. Because it could be crit... Because he says it could be Chris, it could be anything. It could, yeah. They don't know what it is. It could very easily be a trick. We cut to inside the pod. Yeah. <laughs> and then the John and Dargo are sitting there. First, also, one reason I'm like, couldn't John have done this himself? Did he need Dargo for this? I mean, two heads are better than one. True, and I think Dargo can fly that thing better than John. Like, yeah, oh, that's true. We we've only seen him try some piloting lessons. Yeah, and especially out of the asteroid it. fields, probably not something that he could mm. do by himself. He'd probably splatter himself <laughs> into the third against the third asteroid or something. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. crap. But then, uh, and of course, they need John on there to get them to follow. Yes, so, so he needs he needs to come along. And then they do like like, how are you feeling? Uh, uh, John asks Dargo, "How are you feeling?" And he responds. <laughs> I have to pee. <laughs> and they just laugh about that. That's the entire scene. <laughs> I love that. It's, just so... <laughs> it's, it's, it's so fucking simple. It's so silly, and I love it. Works like a charm. They're both laughing about it. I love that they're actually kind of, they're just, yeah, being, mm-hmm. being a little silly. And pilots wishing them luck. And so the peacekeepers have now detected that there's a Luxon and a human on board. So, of uh-huh. course, Scorpius changes course, and he wants the prisoners alive. Gets yes. that order out to his... Uh, order. And he also browsers. says, uh, send a signal to the Gamic base. Tell them that, he, that, that they can expect an attack. Like, sir, there's nothing. Ex- send a signal. Okay? Scorpius has already figured this one out. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so they're on the way there, and John arms the explosives, because he's got... They basically inject another compound into it mm-hmm. uh, to make them actually explosive and uh, he's, so he's doing that and while Pilot is talking to Aaron who's in her prowler that suddenly the offspring's not responding to Moya no and so why not what's what's going on and and she says to Pilot try talking to it with its name you've chosen a name yes Talon the same as my father's yeah very nice so which they... I like because from a certain angle Talon actually looks like a Talon <laughs> or it's Talon. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, Talon. It's aggressive a little bit yeah. as well. Yeah, perfect name. And so now with the peacekeepers, Bracca has uh, revealed. Okay, they've detected there are explosives on the pod, and then just immediately Scorpius is like, "Oh crap! I know what they're going to do. They're going to ignite the oil surface of the moon. The base will have to be evacuated. So they have to chase after." Crichton yeah, and then them. then Bracca asks, like, "So we shoot them down?" No, because then we we risk the chance of not getting to uh, the knowledge inside John's head, and he knew that. Yes. And, and I'm like, checkmate, Scorpius. You only have bad plans, only bad decisions in this case. Yep, they put him into a very difficult spot. And I like that there's that slight turn in his voice when he when he says that, uh, and Crichton knew that. Yeah, his voice turns to his original... Uh, I guess his Scarron side. Yeah, and he actually, as he walks out of the room, you can hear him swearing in a different language. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, he's upset. He's not happy. <laughs> yeah, suck it, Scorpius. And so uh, Dargo says, right, okay, time to go. <laughs> John's like, I love hanging with you, man. Yeah. That's actually what he says. It's not like, yeah. <laughs> that's the line. That's exactly what he says. I love hanging with you, man. He gives Dargo his dad's good luck charm. And Dargo asks, does it work? Yeah, I'm still alive. <laughs> At least for now. And he taps him on the chest. And he walks to the uh, outer door. And I do like that Dargo he respects this, actually, because he, he gives the good luck charm a kiss and wraps it around uh, squarely in his hand. Yep. So Eren's following behind them. And so they exit the pod, and they're drifting in space above the moon. John's in his suit, completely locked up. Dargo can hold his breath for a while. Yeah. And so uh, Eren is coming to get them, and... They're like, wait, no, I think we screwed up. It hasn't. And then <laughs> the entire surface just ignites and it's, it's on fire. like, holy hell, what a bang. <laughs> it said that it's an oily surface because I was surprised how much destruction that did. <laughs> like, the entire moon is on fire at some point. Like, nothing you can see of the moon is not scorching. Yeah, it just spreads around the whole thing. And so we've got this. There's actually a pretty great shot of John and Dargo holding on to each other, floating in space against this backdrop of a burning moon. <laughs> it's really cool. Well, sort of. Uh, it, it's really, it looks really cool. But Erin is coming to get them, but she's basically she's trying to blend in with the other Peacekeeper prowlers. Who apparently can't count. Well, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. look. Basic, basic counting uh, uh, wasn't the thing they did in the Peacekeeper yeah, School. If she breaks formation to go and get them uh, now, then it's, they're going to come after them immediately. Yeah, they'll notice. So she has to kind of play it safe for a bit and hang back and wait until they're uh, otherwise engaged. Mm-hmm. But uh, the problem with that is, yeah, that's Dargo can only survive for a quarter of an arm, so you, there's your time limit. Yeah, but Dargo's fine at that point. Yeah. Like, like John said, he checked the Dargo thumbs up, and they're like, it's fine, take your time. We'll be okay. When it, yeah, we'll be okay for a while. Uh, but uh, the twists aren't over yet, because back with Moya and Talon, Kreis has got on board Talon. Yes, and Talon is basically breaking formation with, with <laughs> Moya. Yeah, and he's flying back with Kreis into the asteroid field, and the command carrier is moving in on Moya, but nobody wants to leave the others. They're not going to leave everyone behind. Including not even Rigel. Rigel. Not even Rigel's going to do that. Yeah. And Moya is refusing to starburst out of there without Talon. It was basically disappeared at this point. Yeah. Like, I like that Aaron is trying to talk Kreis down. Like, you can't do this. You cannot take a child from its mother. And Kreis counters with, that's what happened to me and that's what happened to you. I'm like, that doesn't make it right, you asshole. No, like, that's, you don't have to do this, man. But better than that, but no, he he's taking Talon and making his escape, basically. Yeah, because I was wondering, why the hell would he be safe in the asteroid fields? Because Talon is still, still very small. Yeah, exactly. He can hide in places where Moya and the command carrier just can't get to them. Mm-hmm. But in order for anyone to make it out of there, if Moya doesn't starburst, everyone on there will be captured. Yeah. So they're not prepared to leave everyone else behind. John's not prepared to let them get captured just to get him and... Dargo and Aaron. So he's on the comms with Pilot and he says to Pilot, okay, can you patch me through to Moya, directly to Moya? Which he does and so he basically makes a case in, to Moya. To, he says he's, first of all, he's like thanking her for taking them in and taking care of them. 
mm-hmm. and we actually see shots of basically it's John's uh, floating in space, but it's overlaid on shots through the corridor of Moya, mm-hmm. and he's saying that you know her only chance to rescue her son right now is for her to leave is her to to save herself first. Yeah, she needs to be alive to be able to save her son. So we, she needs to starburst right now. Yeah, and you know, thanks for everything, but you know, you need to if you want to save your son, you I like that. Go. And thank you for everything is the last thing he says in that speech. Yes. My... And then and it's like 15, 15 seconds until the peacekeepers are within range and then Moya starts starbursting. Yeah. And so leaving behind Aaron Dargo and John. Yep, and Mo- yeah, Moya starbursts away, and then Dargo actually falls unconscious, mm-hmm. and Aaron is not able to reach them yet. John and Dargo are floating in space. As this is happening, we see Dargo's hand open and the good luck charm falling out of it. The two of them are floating in space. Aaron can't get to them. Moya's gone. Talon's disappeared with Grace. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of the episode. That's the end of the season. <laughs> season one, everybody. <laughs> like cliffhanger, much? You sons of bitches. They had better... Please tell me in a trivia that they, at this point, knew they were getting a second season, because that would have been cruel. I hope so. That would have been incredibly (laughs) cruel if they didn't. If if that had been a season... If they'd only got one season, yeah. That would have been horrible. No, I can't... I don't see any Mm. info on that. So, I mean, we... We We can't find it. We're assuming it, because otherwise they're monsters. Yeah, so, uh, God, what the, what a way to end that. I'm glad this oh. is a rewatch podcast and we can just, in a couple, in a, in a, in a, we can just very quickly go like, alright, beginning of season two. We yeah, don't have to wait. Can you imagine having to wait months? Oh. Maybe oof. even a year before they continue again? Like, holy balls. Actually, the Family Ties was aired on, uh, we'll go by US, it was aired on the 28th of January in the year 2000. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first episode of season two was aired on the 17th of March in the okay, year 2000. So three months. That's not that that's bad. That's not too so bad. UK people got lucky. We got lucky because we uh, had it in June the 5th was when it was broadcast in the UK, uh, Family Ties. And then June 12th was uh, so the week after. Two. So, yeah, we actually got it just lucky like boom, straight away. <laughs> so. Which is which is great because that's one hell of a cliffhanger. Ah. Oh, yeah. And, but, but what I do like. Despite that being a cliffhanger, a lot of the arcs were closed off oh, in yeah. this episode. So that it does feel like an ending to the first season. Oh, like the, the whole build-up to the end sequence of the uh, go rush the Gamak base and all that. It's very clearly, this is a finale because here's everyone saying, effectively saying goodbye to each other and looking back over how far they've come together. Mm-hmm. Like, very yeah. deliberately with, you had the scenes with Pilot and Aaron, Aaron and Dargo, John and Tiana, John and Zan... Like a variety of those scenes to show, like, yeah, this is the end of the first season. Everyone's mm. come really far together. They're they're a family now, um, but they're you know they're not out of the woods yet. No. Oh, like we said it's... right at the start, we like five out of five. Like that's five out of five. That's like, a lot of discussion. That's I, done, I bought done, like done. 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 Okay. Let's now I'd like to this. talk about this episode in context to the season. Go on. Because this episode does something that I recently read about. Uh, I'm reading a book about film critic Hulk, uh, about screenwriting. And this episode does the perfect thing for an ending. Because the ending is the conceit. Your, your series has a conceit, and you want the ending, or the or movie, you want the ending 
to hammer that home. Right. What's the conceit of Farscape? Family, right. Family. Is Family. It's. I was looking. Uh, that's right. why I had the uh, one of the season one episode uh, list open because it's laced through the entire season. Yeah. The first one, John's major. Let, let's go with the characters first. John's biggest motivation, his father. Yep. He he leaves messages to them. His ties are with family. Aaron, her ties were broken with her family. Yeah. In a way that she's no longer a peacekeeper. Right. Yep. Okay. Dargo. Oh yes. Yeah. Connection <laughs> to Dargo very clearly. Yeah, very clearly with his uh, very on the nose with his, his... with his son and his uh, deceased wife. Yeah. Rigel disposed by his own brother. Mm. Again, family. Yep. Chiana less so. Though I do get a feeling that she found a family in them, just as Zan yes. did. Well, she the thing with Chiana was that it's a little bit less direct of like yeah. her her mother and father and all that. So not none of that. It's her place among the Nabari is very much like the rebellious teenager who She's breaking with break, her family. breaks away deliberately and finds a new one who accepts her for who she is. Yeah. Zan is the only one who I can't find a, a very clear family link well, from her origins. Well, we saw that she had to ostracize herself from her family because she committed that uh, act of murder and had to find herself again. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's the. I think Zahn is the flimsiest tie to family, which is fine. You don't. Well, it's fine to have one a exception to the rule. Ah, hang on though. Zahn's role is team mom. She's she's the mom mother. I didn't. I wasn't even getting into the family roles yet, because that's Zahn is very clearly the mother to this family. Yep. Trying to keep everybody together, trying to nurse everybody mm -hmm. everybody back to health, being a helping hand to pretty much anybody who wants it. Yep. Rigel's the annoying uncle you put up with. <laughs> the, the creepy pervert uncle. Yep. <laughs> totally. Aaron's the cool sister. Yep, yep, yep. Dargo's the angry brother. <laughs> Dargo's sort of somewhere between angry... Well, yeah, he's like the older brother who is uh, got that angry brotherly aspect with some, but also is trying to be a bit of a dad at times. Yeah, but I, I feel John I mean, feels that all better. Because he, he, he also is trying to keep everybody together and being like, stop true, fighting, yeah. work together. Yeah, that's very true, actually. Shiana's the rebellious teenager. <laughs> and you can play small in that, in that spectrum. Yeah. And also, if we start looking at episodes, mm -hmm. how many episodes are directly tied to family? Uh, Premier setting up the family is fine. Yeah, that's set Exodus up. Exodus from Genesis, the main plot is a mother protecting her young. Right, yeah, yeah the space bugs. Yeah. Back and back, back to the future. You could say that the uh, well, Ilonics are, in some way, family of the Luxons, because well, they do say that they, uh, um, yeah, they were actually cousins. Late. genetic cousins. That's the so word. That, again, family. Well, it, it's it, that in that episode, the theme is like Dargo finding a bit more of a sense of family because it's still early on and he hasn't bonded with the crew of Moya no. that well, and so he meets the the Ilonics and feels more of a connection to them. Exactly. Uh, thank God it's Friday again. It has a little bit in in the uh, the father and the daughter. Yep. That dynamic. It's yep, it, yep, it's yep. not as strong in that one. PK Tech Girl is very clearly Aaron's. Um, it's it's about Aaron's break from her family. Exactly. Of the peacekeepers. Yeah. Very, very clear way. That old black magic. I 
Actually, no. That no, yeah, like magic. yeah, like crisis and, and his. Dad. I forgot. Crisis yeah. also very clearly his entire motivation is based on family. Oh, his brother. I mean, very di directly, yeah. His brother is killed, it's, and it's probably mon the one that's most on the nose with it. Well, yeah, and as we see in that old black magic, we see like why he cares so much for his brother because he was supposed to protect him and yep. taken away from his, his family. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. DNA mod scientist. It's a little bit in there in the genetic uh, connection between Pilot and Aaron. and Aaron. It's yeah. not. It's not that strong. No, they've got a secret. A big, big time. Like big time. Like baby. Like again, the baby is again a part of that family dynamic. Yeah, and Talon. We I can mean, actually call his name now. <laughs> yeah, Talon. We have. I mean, in that episode, you have that's the reveal of Dargo's family backstory and. Also, what yep. Is, yeah, I mean, th th those are the... That is heavy. Oh, that's heavy really heavy on the base. family, yeah. Um, Till the blood runs clear. It's it's oh, bonding God. between John and Dargo at the end, trying to overcome that. But other than that, I don't think there's... Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, oh, Aaron, yeah, Aaron's. Um, Aaron's, uh, the, the secret messages from Grace mm. being like, look, you can come back. Her again, feeling the tantalizing... Come back to us. We, you know, we still want you. Still, we'll still love you, Although we'll just kill you. Yeah. Rhapsody but, Blue, very clearly uh, Zon, reconnecting with, in a way, her family. Trying to find herself again within the Delvians and then being led astray and then back to where she was before, mm -hmm. to some extent. The Flax. It's in there in Dargo. Find, uh, right, because finding he's... Finding and rescuing John and Aaron. Yeah. He has to choose between those two. Right. And he chooses John and Aaron because, yeah. At that point... In the series, we start realizing that he is they are family. Yeah. Jeremiah Crichton, the less said about that episode, the better. Although, I will say that um, it's at, when uh, they, they come to get him, they spend all that time looking for him, so they are bonding together as a family, even though he runs away because of a misunderstanding. I don't want to give that it's, episode it's any not credit. No, I don't want to give any credit on No, this. no, that was No, bad. you're right. No, you're right. There is, there is, it's not as clearly woven into it, but there are uh, things in well, there. Well, the fact that they want him back so easily, they're like, no, of course we want you to come back. Yeah. This whole thing's a misunderstanding. Like, there you go. Uh, Durka uh, returns. We see uh, Chiana. Yeah, we like, meet That's whole Chiana's arc becoming part of the family. A uh, human reaction, like oh yeah, like his, clearly John's dad. What's up, fake alien dad? Like is getting getting to grips with all that uh, through the looking glass. Uh, the end, the end shot. Oh, of course, them all yeah. sitting on uh, on, pilot's, fan, uh, on I, pilot's den. I like, do love that shot so much. Like and that the is fact that them all together. Also, the fact that Moya wants to keep everybody together, and that's why she they get into that predicament in the first place. Yeah, because we're talking about leaving her, and Moya wants to. Prove that she's still, can yep. still take care of them. Uh, a bug's life, a little bit of Aaron. I don't feel that it's it, it's that strong. There's a few scenes of Aaron in there. Uh, yeah, again, I th well, again it, what is with that temptation back to her old family that she can't actually go back to. But no, but it, it is brought up a little bit. So then we have nerve. Well, that's that's where we start the whole final sequence, which baby getting born, yeah, um, stuff like that. And that that's basically starts into this part. Bone to be wild. The I forgot the alien's name, but she uh, ate Malie, family. Malie. Yeah, she <laughs> ate everyone's family. Yeah. Like that's dark. <laughs> so again, family. T it's it's the entire theme of the, at least the first season. I'm not sure how how it goes in the next few seasons, but the entire theme of season one is laced with it. Yeah, and that's why. 
I mean, it, it's called Family Ties, the final episode. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there's a lot of family. It, at some point, Zan literally says, you've become family to me. Yeah. And I'd rather have them put it out there so clearly than have an ending that just fizzles. Yeah, and like you said, that's what you want to do, is you want to reinforce the... Uh, what's your what's your theme? Theme at the end, yeah. And a and lot of people and a lot of people in entertainment are like it doesn't have to have a theme. It doesn't have to have a message. It doesn't have to, but it it helps. Yes, everything gets so much stronger if you have one. Yeah, you can you can do a lot with a and good it, theme. And it, and it allows you to whenever you're in doubt, whenever you're like, okay, what kind of story you want to tell? What what happens next? You can go back to that. You yep. can take your theme and figure out, okay, given my theme, how do I do it? Mm-hmm. And the other thing, I, like I mentioned earlier, is that all of those connections, all those bonds, because of everything we just mentioned, it's all strung throughout the whole season. Mm -hmm. So at the end, it feels natural that, that they come together as a family. Like, it, it works. It doesn't feel forced. It actually feels earned. Yep. And that's the strength of uh, taking thing of you know, doing growth over time and tying everything into everything else, keeping continuity, keeping track of you know, what everyone's relationships are, not just doing, here's one episode, here's another episode, here's another episode. It's like this mm -hmm. whole thing works together. And it, it's, it's the sort of thing where, you know, you, any, any amount of change, gradual change over time, it's only when you stop and then you look back and you realize how much things have changed. Yeah. And it's the same with this. It's like we've been watching the episodes and now at the end everything, it all feels natural, it all feels great. And then if you go back and look at the first episode, it's like these people do not get on. This no. is different. They, Dargo doesn't like anybody. They don't trust anyone. R Rachel's not to be trusted. Which, to be fair, he still isn't. Still isn't. Twenty-two episodes in, he's still not to be trusted. But then you think, oh god, no, they have come all this way. And the reason it feels, the reason you don't notice, is because it it happens over time, mm -hmm. and isn't just suddenly they're all friends now. No. And this this first season has been, with a couple of exceptions or one large exception, <coughs> Jeremiah Crichton uh, has been really strong. Has been really really good. Uh, a few things that you know we've given out some threes ep for episodes. You know there's been average episodes, but they've been really great episodes. And this is a really strong finish. Yep. And this I is... really love this episode because it's it's dense but it's propulsive. Uh, it's very every scene follows on the onto the next one mm. uh, very logically, and like I said, it ties everything together. It's like it it takes the conceit of this uh, the first season. Uh, family is what we can make of it in some ways, or just family in general, and just hammers it home. Yeah, heavily. And we've own and it's it and it's left things obviously. It's left things, you know left threads for season two because you know we need to resolve what happens here we need mm -hmm. to resolve the um the, the crisis the crisis the other thing it's done is it's we've now i mean Crace has gone off with talon but he's he's accepted that chasing john was is just destructive to him mm -hmm. so he's making his own way off we don't so he seems to be stepping back as a he's stepped back as a villain to be replaced by Scorpius. Yeah, and he's turning into something of a wild card, I expect. Yeah, something like that. But Scorpius is, has been in a total of four episodes now, but he's already being set up as as a very effective villain, a very intellectual, mm. an, an intellectual, scary. scary, calculating villain. And one of my favorite things about Scorpius is that he's a very direct 
a very big comparison to Kreis, he has no ego. This whole thing, the the whole thing that Kreis has been doing is about his ego. That's basically what he admits. Like it should have been about his brother. It should have been for uh, justice. It wasn't. It was about my ego and getting my uh, reputation up. Scorpius mm-hmm. only cares about getting wormhole technology. He will get rid of the base. He will throw away all the other prisoners. He doesn't care about anything apart he only, from he's only getting... Care, he's only cares about the mission. Yeah, only cares about the mission because of the mission. Not And he doesn't have... Yeah, he doesn't have an ego about... The, uh, about his accomplishments because the reason he wants to take over control from Kreis is not for power's sake, it's because Kreis isn't doing his job. He's, and he's doing a piss poor job at He's at sabotaging... Least. He's, yeah, he's disrupting the mission. So it's like, well, if you're not going to do your job, I someone should, someone who can should replace you, and that person should be me because I'm, you know, heavily involved in this. I'm chased. I need the wormhole technology. This is my mm-hmm. mission, basically. Yep. And so, and here's the thing: is that a villain with no ego makes it harder to appeal to him. Makes him a lot scarier. <laughs> yeah, a lot too. scarier, exactly, because he doesn't really have a weak point. I mean, the the thing that he wants them. His weak point is what he wants is the wormhole technology. Mm-hmm. So they've already in this episode they they exploit that by putting John on the on the transport pod. But that's really the only thing that they can um, use they against can use. him. Yep. And yeah, the the risky run with that eventually is like that might just get Crichton killed. Uh huh. So it's going to be difficult to um, to get one over on him. So. So yeah, I'm looking forward to more more of Scorpius and yes. yeah. Also, long shot, Scorpius rejecting his family because he says at some point, "Why do I need to show uh, my superiority?" He mm. wants to be accepted as a peacekeeper fully. Yes, not uh, not uh, probably breaking with his uh, other tie. Not with his yeah. He wants nothing. Scarn. Scarn side. Yeah. Scarn side. Yeah. He doesn't like the physical to display his physical superiority because yeah. yeah that reminds that he's not fully peacekeeper yeah he doesn't completely belong yeah exactly oh so yeah that's have a season one that is uh, it that is so, it for season one of the fastscape rewatch podcast Tal- as well. talon and Crace are off to do something else uh john aaron and uh dargo are floating around in space moya is uh leaving on board with Chiana, Rigel, Zan, and Stark. Where is Stark? What the what f the is hell? he? Where the f is he? He'll, I, he'll turn up. I have a theory, but we'll see next. We'll see next season. I yeah, yes, we will see next season. So, like I said, that's it for season one. And of course, we will be back for season two. We will be taking a short break though of yes. a couple weeks. And, two weeks to be exact. Yes, two Fine. weeks. And but we will be back for season two of. Uh, Fast, of Farscape and uh, we hope you enjoyed season one thank you all so much to everyone who's made this possible this is one of the tiers on my Patreon to do more projects like this and uh, we reached that and we've been you know doing it now for 22 weeks and we hope you've been enjoying it we've been getting some good feedback so thank you all to everyone who's listened so far and thank you very much for letting me do this because it's no problem it's been a lot of fun it's been a ton of fun and uh, yeah I think I mean 
<laughs> we basically thought, hey, you know, why don't we do this? And uh, it's turned out, I think it's turned out pretty well. And I, I agree. I'm looking forward to season two. I'm looking forward to, to things getting even crazier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like I said, we'll be back in two weeks for the first episode of season two. But before then, we will be doing a special thing for you. We will be yes. doing, as part of, uh, if you're unaware, there. Uh, there is another podcast which I'm, I am a part of, which currently lives on my Twitch channel, uh, twitch.tv slash countmyhats, of course, and that is the Culture Clash podcast that I do with HP Braincase and Lammo, where we talk about movie, films, all that kind of stuff in games and uh, nerd culture. But what we will be doing is on Sunday, the 24th of January at 8pm uh, UK time, 8pm GMT, that will be the uh, regular episode of Culture Clash, but me and Red will both be on there. And mm-hmm. we will be doing a discussion afterwards at the uh, in the second half of the show about how we felt about the whole first season. Yes. And just a bit more of a, a wrap up, and it's a it'll be a live thing. There will be a recorded version that goes up, but we'll just it be will... wrapping up our thoughts about the first season and recording the Fastgate rewatch as a project as well. And and also because. Uh, Twitch has chat, you will be able to interact with yeah. us directly at that point. Yeah, come hang out. So, it'll be live, it'll be, please it'll be do, a lot of fun. Please do actually come, because I'm re- very interested, not only in what you think of the podcast, but also what you thought yourself about the first season of Farscape. Yeah, for if, you, if you've watched it, or just experiencing it with us to get, uh, along the way. Yeah, we'd love to have a bit of a, maybe some kind of yeah, Q&A, some feedback, that kind of thing. Yep. That would be great. And yeah, that would be the 24th, 8pm and twitch.tv slash hats that's 8pm GMT so there yes. you go so look forward to that uh, that would be basically the Sunday after this goes up so <laughs> yes. you've got a few days and then uh, look forward to that and so yeah there you go I think we can uh, safely wrap things up now and say that we will be back with the first episode of season 2 which is called Mind the Baby and that will be ah. on the uh, 10th of February and that will go up at uk, which is where you can get the RSS feeds, MP3 downloads, and all of that uh, cool stuff. And uh, yeah, so watch out for that. And uh, we hope you tune in to the live special as part of Culture Clash. And uh, we'll see you soon. In the meantime, uh, find us on Twitter. I'm at Hats, Reds at Vidalkin and Tree. Yes. And as I mentioned, there's the Patreon, patreon.com slash which supports this podcast and my other... Uh, sort of projects and there is of course you can find all of this on the Cantwell Hats website cantwellhats.co.uk for all my stuff so there you go and uh, we will see you soon it's been a ton of fun we hope to have you back for season two and uh, but that's it for season one and so until next time goodbye goodbye Goodbye. until two weeks we listen to me we know how much you care about your baby we feel the same way That's why we've gone to all this trouble. It's not just to save ourselves, but to save you and him. Your only chance of rescuing him is to save yourself first. Moya, thanks for everything. Now do what you have to do. Prepare for Starburst, people. Oof.
all right. Well, that's uh, that's season oh. one done. Yeah. yeah, nice. Good hustle, people. Good hustle.